The Conversation Collective. You're listening to The Conversation Collective. The podcast shifting perspectives on young women's well-being. Proudly created by young women and brought to you by the Shift Foundation. Kia ora koutou. Welcome back to The Conversation Collective. My name is Tiki and I've had the pleasure of co-designing and recording this podcast with a group of pretty awesome young women who you will get to meet along the way. To make sure that you don't miss out on any episodes, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can also find an accessible transcript for each episode on our website, shiftnz.org forward slash podcast. Please, please, please recommend the podcast to a friend. And if you've enjoyed it, don't forget to leave us a cheeky five star rating and review. Follow us on the gram at the underscore conversation underscore collective for behind the scenes sneak peeks and insights from the Combo Code team. Okay, let's get shifty. I want to introduce you to the young woman who is hosting today's episode. This young woman is an absolute force of creativity. In her spare time, she writes vivid poetry, short stories, and she's even the designer behind our Conversation Collective logo. She is such a thoughtful and considerate part of the Convo Co team and someone who I find really, really inspiring to spend time around. Ronio is here today to speak with us about navigating identity as a young woman. Ronia, welcome to your very own podcast episode. Yay. Hello. Hello, viewers, listeners. <laughs> Hello. So I thought we could start mm. off with a little check-in today because... We're actually recording this online during the um, COVID-19 pandemic. So maybe, Ronia, you could start off telling us where you are, how you are, and just what's been going on. Cool. I am in a very small suburb called Wainiamata, which is tucked in Lower Hutt behind really huge hills, so it can feel a little bit isolated at times. I'm here with my parents and my little sister and my cat and I think it's been quite challenging and that's surprising because I'm I feel like I'm quite an introvert so being at home is really being in my own element but I feel like I don't know there's lots of I've been trying to navigate not having putting pressure on myself to be doing things during this time because we're in a global pandemic so it's all right to just survive for these next few weeks instead of feeling like you have to live it to the fullest potential because fair enough like it feels like the world is ending so you may as well just I'm just trying to listen to what my body wants and what needs that I have to take care of myself so yeah how have you been dealing with all this I can actually really relate to what you're saying there Ronia but yeah I am on the whole I'm really really good I'm feeling super grateful and super privileged to have a beautiful home to be living with lovely people um to still be working and doing this mahi with you guys so yeah feeling pretty good at the moment 
All right, Veronia, for the benefit of our listeners who haven't had the privilege of meeting you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe what you're studying at the moment and yeah, what you're into? Okay, I'm 19 years old and I study at Victoria University of Wellington. It's my second year and I'm doing a conjoint degree in design, but also English literature and creative writing. So I'm quite an interesting, chaotic mess of creative, but very also academic. And um, this podcast is one of the projects that I'm working on to release all that creative energy. Um, So it's quite a privilege to be working with an amazing team of young women as well, because um, mindfulness and well-being is also a really important part of what I want to produce in my work, whether that's in writing or in media or design. And so, yeah, this project is perfect and I can't wait to share it with all you guys. It can be really difficult to balance both sides of yourself when you're doing something like that. Um... Yeah, just trying to go with the flow with what I'm studying at the moment and... uh... I guess put my own twist on projects just so I can stay interested and inspired by whatever work I'm doing. That is such a positive approach to have to it. Cool. So I just want to dive straight in and ask you, we're, we're talking about identity today. Um, and this was the topic that you chose to talk about for your episode. Why identity? Well, identity. I feel like I've been going through a sort of identity crisis in the past few (laughs) years, which has been um, mostly good, an interesting journey. But to be honest, I feel like I've been obsessed kind of with the idea of identity since I was quite young, growing up here as a person of colour in Aotearoa and also growing up in a very mixed background. I had to confront the idea of who I was and it became quite important to be aware of who I was and how I wanted to present myself to the world. You know those, um, when we were little in primary school, we used to fill out these sheets all about me sheets where you put your age, your favourite colour and your favourite animal. I was obsessed with those um, little activities But growing up and experiencing different things during adolescence, um, I find that identity isn't as simple as your favourite colour or filling in a category. I feel like now more than ever, I'm forced to realise that it's more of kind of internal knowledge that is a continuing journey and exploration. And I feel like identity as a topic for this podcast was really important to me because I feel like it's integral to yourself to understand who you are. And in the knowledge of well-being, it's pretty important to understand and recognize that who you are and your identity is something that is a learning journey. And so I want to share this learning journey with all of you and also go on to it myself. 
Awesome. That's such a good answer. Um, I guess just to dig in a little bit deeper there, what you were saying about becoming aware of your identity from a very early age as a person of color here in Aotearoa, do you feel as though there's a sense when you're out in the world that a certain identity is placed on you and that that maybe doesn't always match up with the sense of identity that you have within yourself? Does that make sense? Mm, it does. I think, yeah, definitely. I struggled with that a lot because <clears throat> a big part of identity formation is comparing yourself to others and seeing how they present themselves. And so I feel like there can be that conflict of looking at others and what others are doing and wondering whether you're, you're presenting yourself the right way or thinking of yourself in a certain way and then yeah I do feel there is there is that pressure not just me but I feel like everybody has that maybe internal conflict with because identity isn't just how you present yourself that can be sort of a quite external thing but it's also like really intuitive to your core values which we might discuss um later on and what you hold important to yourself within yourself so it's quite in it's quite a tricky process of weighing up your external and internal elements and having to be placed in a world where everybody seems to be presenting themselves a certain way uh i feel like i'm rambling but no not at all Ronia, you, I mentioned in your introduction that you are a writer. You've told us that you're studying English literature as well at university. You write poetry and short stories. How do you feel about writing in relation to this idea of self-exploration and identity? Mm. Is it something that comes into it for you at all or not really? I think... It definitely comes into it because I feel like with any work that I produce, um, I think of putting it out there for an audience. And so we come again to the idea of how others see you and how you present yourself. So it's kind of interesting with writing because in a way you're projecting your thoughts onto paper but at the same time it feels like you're there's that creative element which makes you feel like you're creating your own sort of identity I guess and so I feel like it's much it's a much more freeing and cathartic way though to explore my identity and exploring who I am because there are no limits to what I can write about and what I can express and knowing that knowing that literature gives me like the freedom and empowerment I guess to create and explore any paths that I want to take it's a really rewarding experience to my journey of identity exploration so you feel like 
The process of writing is something that you create identity through. It's not just like a passive reflection of your identity. Yeah, definitely. Because so much of what I was struggling with and continually struggling with in my identity crisis is having to project a certain idea about myself. But with writing, I can create my own projection and idea of maybe not even who I am, but how I perhaps see the world and how others might experience it. So it's really cool. Would you share a poem with us today? Sure, I will search it up. Okay, so this one is called I Pack My Sister's Lunch with a Poem. And it's basically about how growing up in suburban New Zealand primary school, how I would bring in lunch that was quite different to all my other peers and how I was basically forced to confront my identity in specific my cultural identity through that so my background is half Taiwanese and half Bangladeshi so it's quite different and it, a wild mixture but this is what I tried to explore with this poem okay here we go Remember when you kept a mandarin in your bag for so long, it turned into blue dust, a small puff of smoke escaping. When daddy opened that pocket, we all laughed while he took the graveyard bag to the tub to clean the ashes. I know that it's common for kids your age to bring back a lunchbox that looks the same as it did in the morning, only sweetier, browner. But daddy is worrying about your health and mummy is worried your friends think we're poor. If you leave your sandwich in your bag, you refuse to be fed and nourished. If you leave your sandwich, you have exited their provision, and they will think they have failed you. I was you, and I understand. I slave slightly in the morning, molding bread, colby, and crumbed fish into the most beige sandwich, because I know you like to be discreet. I'll make you look hip, because I'll add a muesli bar, the ones that break your teeth, and necessary price to pay to keep your reputation. And I know it's not ham and cheese, but if I could, I would pack you dumplings every day. I would make them for you every day, even though we only have them on Chinese New Year. Though I know a certain kind of trauma that exists with that, boys in WWE t-shirts with scrunched up noses. And I don't want you to hold a Tupperware of shame or suffer the remorseful indigestion. So eat your beige sandwich at school, not at home, at 4pm when you're ravenous, tossed into the microwave, then ripped and dipped into sriracha like roti and jam. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing such a personal and really, really moving poem. No worries. Before we move on to the interview, we got a couple of questions that were put to us through followers on Instagram. Um, we asked if anyone had any questions about identity. So I've got a couple of questions here for you. Um, our very own Jessica Smith from the Conversation Collective asks, why do you think identity is so important in 2020? That is a big question. 
but I feel like when I think of this question, I think about what is so significant about 2020, about this year. And obviously we know that this whole COVID crisis is a huge part of 2020. And um, I guess it has forced us to quite literally sit with ourselves and really confront um, who, what we care about and what we value in our lives. I think it's very important to stay grounded or to attempt to feel grounded during this time. And it can be really difficult because we're all over the place. But I feel like one way to really try and ground yourself is to explore your idea of how you claim space in this world but really just having no pressure really to do anything or define yourself during this time and I feel like that's a lot of what I think identity is about which is just being on a journey and being on being comfortable with your evolving self and not feeling pressure to categorize yourself or stand in a certain position so I think just in 2020 identity is important because we're forced to just mm, listen to ourselves and what we need yeah I think you're so right talking particularly about this pandemic for a lot of people who usually live very comfortable privileged lives and don't really experience crisis in their daily lives this has been quite difficult I think and that has caused a lot of people's I guess like sense of self to be really stripped back so that we have to think about what actually is important and to kind of prioritize and to realize the things around us that we don't actually need Mm. um okay cool so jumping on to the next question this is totally different again, so we'll see if we can have a crack at answering this one. Thank you, Libby.ws on Instagram for your question. Um, any thoughts on treatment of different gender identities in same-sex schools? Mm. I feel... Did you, Ronia, did you go to a same-sex school at all? Uh, no, I didn't. I went to a public school all my life, so... I haven't dealt with that, but I have dealt with people who have been to those schools. And I think what is most difficult about navigating gender identity in same-sex schools is a lot of the time I think schools, like these schools probably assume the idea that gender and sex is the same. And so it does leave quite limited room for people to explore their gender identity in those spaces that are quite literally defined by very binary ideas. And so I think it can be very difficult to understand and explore your gender identity in those environments. But personally, I haven't experienced being in those environments. So I don't really, I can't really speak for the difficulties that come with that but being in a public school um i think it's there's certainly a lot of positives to being in a space where everyone is different and allowed to express themselves 
whether it's their gender identity or whatever kind of identity they want. But in saying that, public schools aren't always so freeing and they can be weighed down by gender assumptions or heteronormative assumptions about gender identity because just because it isn't part of the institutional, I guess, basis of the school doesn't mean that the societal kind of ideas are not present. So what um, what do you think? I Yeah, I agree with you. I think that there isn't really any reason why school will be that different to the rest of society unless we actively work to make differences and um again this is not something that i can really speak to from personal experience but i guess i believe that there are probably lots of really small quite simple changes that we can make in our kind of built social environment so you know having spaces that allow for some difference I guess um and it doesn't have to be I don't know I think people make it out that it's like too difficult to accomplish it but actually I think there's lots of accessible changes that we should be starting to make in all areas of our lives in school and outside of school right yeah I feel like when people are concerned with how difficult it might be it's just because the binary idea of gender is so ingrained and so traditional so I feel like people may be afraid of embracing new ideas or exploring new ideas about gender. Mm. Okay I want to move on to the core part of our episode today. Ronia, we've got a really beautiful and thought-provoking interview to share with our listeners. Can you tell us a little bit about our guest before we jump into the interview and how you first came across her? So we have a very enlightening guest today on the episode. Her name is Bryony McKenzie and she is a former lawyer turned life coach and she basically runs workshops and courses to help people get the most out of their life and motivate them to find out their true potential. And I first came across Bryony at a women's leadership summit in Auckland a couple of years ago. And I was just so inspired by her workshop in particular. It was my favorite workshop out of all the ones that we did because it really challenged my idea of um, the empowerment and vast amount of knowledge that that can come out of exploring your potential and your identity so I thought that it would be a perfect opportunity to invite her to the podcast which you did and she so kindly agreed to join us so we actually had this conversation a few weeks ago and I just haven't really been able to get it out of my head since then because the conversation was so engaging and so interesting we're going to hear all about um your and Bryony's thoughts about self-awareness we're going to hear Bryony's advice on uncovering your core values we're going to talk about when you're trying to make big changes in your life like you probably are going to have to anticipate there being fear and resistance coming up 
And we also hear Bryony talk about why movement and dancing is so essential for her energy and for her work. Bronia, are you ready to jump into this? I'm so ready, let's go. The Conversation Collective. So I'll just get started. Yeah, let's do Today, it. Today, we're speaking to an amazing guest, Bryony McKenzie. She's a lawyer turned lifestyle coach from Auckland who is all about personal growth and finding your potential. She started her own coaching business called Untapped with Bryony and works with people to help them unlock their true potential. She's here with me to have a cordial about today's theme, which is identity. Welcome, Bryony. Kia ora, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Um, I'm super excited to be here and thank you for that beautiful introduction. And yeah, acknowledge both of you for, uh, you know, this amazing opportunity in creating this space to, to share this message with the world. So thanks. Yeah, it's great to have you. Yeah, it really is. Um, here at Shift, we like to do a tradition before we dive into anything. So a little chicken. So I'll go first. We'll, today we'll do a scale out of five stars. So today, right now, I'm feeling probably four stars. I actually feel quite relaxed, um, despite this being my first week of uni and everything's a bit hectic. But getting the opportunity to talk to you and talk about really deep things is really exciting. And um, yeah, so what what's your well-being mm. Yeah, for me, on the scale of one to five, I'm feeling I'm feeling a four. Um, I think today today I've been in flow, which for me is you know creating content and and building courses and thing, and that's that's really what lights me up. So uh, there are more challenging days in business, but today I'd give it a four. <laughs> awesome. Nice. I'm probably oh, I'm like a three rapidly escalating through four and on my way to five. <laughs> I, I had a, I had a, I guess like a slow kind of not super happy morning, mm. but all morning I was just like, I cannot wait to have this conversation with these two women. And I'm feeling very privileged to be facilitating this. So yeah, feeling mm. good. That's great. <laughs> um, I guess we'll get stuck into our first question. Um, I guess when people think about life coaches, they think they're some they're born revolutionary. But I, um, as we're talking about identity today, um, a lot of what identity is is a journey. And so, what I wanted to ask is, um, were you always very self-aware or in touch with personal growth or? Uh, especially as a teenager maybe because a lot of our um, listeners are young people or was there like a sudden revelation or a specific person that inspired you to really go on your journey Mm, yeah um I honestly as a teenager I, I wouldn't say I had I definitely wasn't aware of the personal growth world and um you know, for anyone who's listening to this, I just think it's amazing now the information and the access and the awareness that, um, you know, our youth and everyone in the world is getting access to now. But for me as a teenager, no, I think I was very much in my teenager bubble. Um, I was at a uh, boarding school and there was, you know, a, a lot of the classic challenges in high school. I had some body image stuff, friendship stuff, and I think I was very much just quite in that world. Um, in terms of 
awareness. You know, my mum did when I was in my year 12, my mum sort of said to me, I want to, we want to go have an experience. And we went to Cambodia and that absolutely uh, changed my life and opened up my eyes to the way that a lot of the world live. And um, that's definitely where the value for me of service and impact came from. But that was probably my first real experience of kind of that awakening of what's really going on in the world. Um, and then in terms of the personal growth industry, so actually it was my mum again. So my mum truly is my source of inspiration. Um, and she has been on my entire journey, which I'm very, very privileged to have, you know, her by my side and, and supporting me all the way. But she actually called me. I was about my third year into law. And I wasn't really enjoying it. Mum knew this because mum, mums know. And, um, <laughs> you know, she called me and she said, you know, there's this course that I want you to do. It's just three-day workshop and I really want you to go. And I was sort of like, uh, you know, I'm fine. Um, which I think now when people say they're fine, it's kind of like a, a sign that, you know, maybe they don't even want to go there. And I was very much avoidant of going back and, and reflecting and doing all this work. So, um and I'd worked a little bit with sort of counselors and psychologists and all things through my life, but never in this personal growth space. So, you know, mum said, look, I really want you to do it. Do you love me? Yes. Do you trust me? Yes. And I was like, okay, I'll go. And so I went to a seminar in Auckland uh, through an organization called Landmark Worldwide and they run global, you know, millions of people through their personal development seminars. And that was like the first seminar I went to was just like the insight, like, how I got to where I'd gotten to, the things that had held me back, all of those mindsets, like those beliefs and things, how I'd created this life, and it just, the penny dropped. And then from there, I honestly went on a very accelerated growth of journey of personal growth. <laughs> it was like really, really stripping back those layers, and I was in a seminar every weekend for the next like three years. I went really all in on it. Um, so yeah, as a teenager, honestly, not a lot of awareness, not a lot of um, consciousness in that sense. And then it's been a very accelerated last sort of six years <laughs> as well. Your mum sounds really awesome as well. She is awesome. And mum, I just got to give mum some credit. She was also the person, you know, when I was sitting in my law firm trying to decide, I'd been running some workshops and stuff. And so I built up a bit of confidence around coaching, but I couldn't decide if I should, you know, go or not, leave law and start this coaching thing. And mum sent me this little card to my law firm and said, you know, just go for it. Just do it. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. And so she was really my um, permission slip, I think, to, to go for it. Can I jump in slightly? Like where you're, because you're a super self-aware young woman, I think, Ronia. Like, do you identify with a figure in your life that's maybe had that role for mm -hmm. you? First of all, thank you for considering me self-aware. I still feel like I'm still working things out. Yes. And, um, I think everybody is, but um, I guess uh, when high school was starting to finish, I guess I started to get more in tune with who I was. Um, and then coming to uni when you're immersed in an environment where everyone is so different and you get this pressure to figure out like who you are um, so I've just been on that journey, I guess. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. I've been reading books, even, um, watching videos. Um, I think it just matters a lot to me. I've always been into, like, authenticity and, like, 
being myself because I've always identified myself as very different, especially being a person of colour in New Zealand. Um, so I just want to be able to be comfortable, I guess, with who I am. And I feel like um, everybody else should aspire, I guess, to this as well. Because it's um, identity is integral to everyone. So I feel like mm. it's a really important conversation to have. And that's why I also wanted to make this a theme because it's a very important idea to um, well-being in general. Mm. So that is my story, I guess. It's very <laughs> empowering, isn't it? To yeah. kind of know who you are. Definitely, yeah. And I think what you said, Ronia, was perfect. It's like, it is a journey. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, for anyone who's listening to this and all of us, it's always like we're all always on this process and as humans, we're, we're ever evolving. And I think that's giving ourselves permission to, you know, get connected to self, figure out sort of some of those values and things and then allow yourself that space to go, cool, well, you know, who am I becoming and, and how do I, how, how do I want to create myself as well? So yeah, I don't think we ever there you know <laughs> yeah and I yeah. feel like um especially with me there was like probably a lot of other people too like a uh, pressure to be to have like a you because uh, when you think of identity it's unique to everyone but for me what I was struggling with was there's this one idea of myself that I have to aspire to and I need to figure that out now but um mm -hmm through like everything that I experienced, I'm learning more about how everyone is constantly evolving as well. Um, mm -hmm. I guess that leads on to our next question, which uh, we were reading a little bit about your work and as a mentor, you one of your focuses is helping people discover their core values. Um, so how do you find out, how do you navigate trying to find out your core values, especially when it's something so like integral to yourself? but it seems out of reach or difficult to navigate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is. Um, so the reason I, I am so passionate about most of my students doing that work is because it was a huge part of my own journey was when I was in law and feeling really lost, to be honest, and really confused about, I'd sort of hit all these milestones of what society told me would be successful and I didn't feel fulfilled and I didn't feel successful. I felt really empty and really lost. And I think that's an experience that confuses a lot of people because there's a lot of values that society has told us would make us happy, you know, and that's through media and marketing and consumers and all sorts of things. And then when we get these things, it's like, ah, oh, wait, <laughs> that's not it. And so on that process and that journey, I sort of went through, you know, I was working with different coaches and these programs at this time and the, the concept of values came through and your core values. And uh, from there, I've taken lots that I've learned and distilled it, I guess, into, you know, a seven step process to make it kind of simple for people. But the whole holistic process of it is, is actually you have all the answers mm -hmm. and they're not out there somewhere. They're very much within. Um, and then the pragmatic side to that is cool. What are the things you need to consider to get those answers? And it really is about removing everything, family, society, everything, and just going inwards. And some of those things to think about are like, you know, what are the things that just give you so much joy and, and like fulfillment? And when was the moment you felt proudest and most fulfilled in your life? And it doesn't need to be what you think you should <laughs> be writing down it's truly when were those moments mm -hmm. for you um 
And, you know, even thinking about mentors, because I think mentors, a lot of people kind of put people out on pedestals. But if you really admire someone and a mentor, there's something within them, that a value within them that they've activated that perhaps maybe you're yet to activate, but something is drawn towards them. So all these sorts of questions, um, you know, you can consider and and the answers, are they just leave little clues. And then after you write like, you know, all these answers down, you're journaling about this stuff, themes start to show up. And that was very much my experience. And so one of my biggest themes for me was like service and, and contribution. And uh, that was not something I think I was honoring at that point in my life. And so I was like, ah, okay, that's me. Um, but what you said was perfect is they're so innate. Like they're so innately you when you just, when you kind of peel them back and see them on paper, you're like, oh yes, that, that mm -hmm. is me. Um, but yeah, it's really easy to say, you know, I value health or family or friendships and stuff. But when you go through this process, you can almost get to uh, deeper levels of, of words that really embody who you are. How, when you talk about core values, because obviously we all value lots of things, but when you're talking about core values and you're working with people, like how many core values do you think we're like based on? Mm -hmm. Good question. Good question. And that's always something in my programs, people, you know, especially my perfectionists want to have like, you know, 20 values. But what I would say, I have. <laughs> or, or they do like forward slash, you know, it's like this one, forward slash this one. Um, what, what I would kind of say is for most people, I try to, I think getting it down to four or five. Uh, because any more than that in your mind, sort of, it sort of starts to cloud the, the intensity of them. If you can distill it down to four or five really core cool values, and then you almost have like a second tier, which are like things that matter to you, but those first four or five are inherently you. Like, and the, the way to look at it is like, if you didn't have those things in your life, you wouldn't feel fulfillment and you wouldn't even be yourself. You know, those are the things that really make make up who you are and what matters to you most. Hmm. Uh, so that's, yeah, I'd say, and it's always a really challenging process. Like, and if, if any, you know, anyone listening, I can give the, um, put it in the show notes or whatever. I've got a, a free course and that's actually one of the steps is that like doing hmm. the process and getting down to four or five core values. Um, the top two, honestly, I don't think ever change, hmm. but I think life experiences and shifts and priorities can bump around mm. some other ones, you know. Um, Going back to that, it being a journey. Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And there'll be exactly different phases and stages will mean different values bump up the ladder and the hierarchy. And what I found for people is just having this conscious awareness of those core values. It's like sometimes you can be met with an in, like a conflict, you know, you can't struggling to make a decision. Usually what's actually really behind that is that two core values are competing. Mm. So to give context, you know, thinking of maybe someone, or maybe if you're thinking about moving overseas or going on an adventure and one of your val core values is adventure, but one is stability or groundedness or connection and your family's here those start to compete. And when you have awareness, you can be like, ah, oh, okay, for this next chapter in my life, I'm going to value this. This is what I'm going to put forward. This is going to be the one I'm going to honor most. Mm. It's really interesting to realize that 
a conflict might be being caused by things inside you and not things outside you. Yeah. Mm. yeah, because like a lot of core values, what core values entail is intuition, I guess. But um, me and Tiki were speaking before about how sometimes intuition isn't always just things you know. Sometimes it's got fear laid on top. We might be afraid of doing something. And then once we do it, we figure out, oh, that was actually really good that I did that. So sometimes fear isn't a sign of saying no, but it can be tricky to distinguish, I guess, between fear and intuition. So what kind of advice do you have of figuring that out? Mm, such a good question. <laughs> such a good question. I love it. I love it. So I think... Um, a lot of people let fear deter them, right, from from doing the stuff that scares them and and taking action. And you know that was a big part of my journey as well, is overcoming over actually becoming friends with that fear and being like, cool. I think one thing I would say because I'm very much very strong about intuition as well. Like you know when you get those intuitive nudges not to do that thing or whatever, is honouring those. But I think what I would say is sometimes to think about what is the vision. So like if we're, you know, if someone wants to start a business or go for a scholarship or, um, you know, really, really chase their dreams and there will always at every moment that you want to spiritually, personally, physically evolve or start an enterprise or a venture, there will be a notion called resistance. There will be, it literally feels like a force and it's like, and it's like and it's it's kind of that thing that stops you taking action it shows up as that little inner critic and it just latches onto that fear because that's part of you know there's this funny force of humans wanting to evolve and grow and then this kind of drawback pulling you back as well um so for any you know for anyone who's trying to do something that scares them and that fear comes up i would actually say expect the resistance expect the fear because it's such a natural part of the growth process use it to kind of be like ah this is my edge this is I'm on the edge of my comfort zone right now like and then that little voice inside your head is going to tell you a lot of things <laughs> you know it's going to say you know what if you just go back and do the other thing what if it doesn't happen and so I, I think expect it and if you're about to go after something you're chasing that vision or that goal just be ready for the fear. Be ready for the resistance. Let it guide you and, and take it on. Uh, and conversely, I think intuition is is quite different. Again, it's like, uh, I think it comes from a different place because I think when the intuitive nudges come up, the vision isn't as important. It's like, oh, no, they're, they're, you're not even thinking about it. Like, no, something just isn't right or I'm feeling I should go this way and let that guide you. And that's really different again. Um, it, is, it is really challenging to decipher that. It's such a good, good question. Um, I think the more you can actually tune in and like quiet in the mind, because those things, the intuition and resistance and stuff are actually feel they're in the body, right? They're a little bit different. They, the inner critic shows up in the mind, but they're actually feelings that come from in your body. So I think, starting to tune in through meditation or whatever the, your practices or daily journaling about where those feelings are. Cause I know for myself, like uh, when I'm drawn to something and my intuition is excited about it, I'm giving this like nudge to go this way. It comes across like my chest and I'm like, Oh yes, that's possibility. And that's what I'm meant to be following. Whereas like 
the absolute fear and resistance is it really deep in my belly and it's completely different feeling it's like oh no i'm not meant to be you know i'm and and i know but i know for myself i'm like ah okay we're here game on um so big thing expect the resistance if you really want to do something that scares you it's coming because it's just such a natural part of the process and it's part of if you want to think about like when a plant grows right a plant is in the soil and then it's growing and it's got to like push its way up through the soil to grow and there's natural resistance and then it kind of sprouts and then it's like battered around around by the wind and the rain and then it flourishes into this beautiful flower and so nature everything in nature has this natural resistance what happens for human beings though is because we've got consciousness we're like oh, no okay i'm not meant to be doing it <laughs> it's like no really that's normal yeah i don't know does that answer does that answer the question it's helpful yeah it does it does i think on a kind of like uh, like microcosm scaled down version one of the ways that i have like noticed or learned about that feeling of fear and then pushing through that is actually through like being outdoors and doing activities. Since I've been in New Zealand, I've started mountain biking, which is something I always wanted to do. But I think I had that little inner critic voice in my mind that was just automatically saying, yeah, you can try it, but you're never actually going to get good because you're going to be too scared. And um, I went mountain biking with a friend and my partner and I was so slow and I was so bad at it and I was so scared. And I got to the bottom of the hill like 20 minutes after they did. And they were mm. both like grinning and they'd had a great time. And I was feeling horrible because I'd had this really like fearful experience. But I went away from it and I was like, I actually have to go back and do that again until I'm doing it because I don't want to do it, not because I'm afraid of doing it. And now I'm loving it and I'm having a great time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I mean, that's yeah. me and mountain biking, but I think it's like, that's somewhere where I've learned that skill and then you can mm. kind of scale that up and then bring it into other areas of your life. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like micro actions create macro results. So yeah, that, that very concept right there of overcoming resistance to go mountain biking will apply everywhere else in your life. And you know, people, you know, the feeling like, I don't know, you meant to be going to the gym in the morning and you're not feeling it and the feelings kick in and then the little critic goes and then the resistance is there and then you do the thing anyway. The feeling that everyone's seeking, they're like, boom, I did it. I comes after you've done the thing. Yeah. Which is totally what you were feeling. saying. Yeah, Romeo. Yeah. yeah. And I like how so you cool. talked about how resistance is uh, a key part of intuition. And sometimes a lot of that resistance comes from yourself, but also from others. And that can mm -hmm. translate into vulnerability. Um, and so often when we try and go on this journey to find out ourselves, we find ourselves alone and perhaps um, sabotaging, I guess, our presence with others. I guess a lot of the time when we talk about finding yourself or true belonging, it's not about fitting in. It's more about stepping out alone but that can be very scary um and there's you need a lot of courage to do that but you also need a lot of honesty and i guess integrity and belief in yourself for our viewers or listeners what advice do you have on stepping over that fear or being comfortable i guess with being alone or 
being in that uncomfortable space and why is it important mm. to be in that space? Mm. Yeah, I think, yeah, this is a really big part of my journey because anytime you let go of an old identity or, you know, for me that was law and everyone has their different version of that and you step into something else, there absolutely is that fear and that, that isolation. And humans are, we're social beings. Like we want to belong and we want to connect. And so I think that's the first thing to just know about us. It's like, it's a, it's a really innate human thing to need that connection and belonging. Um, and when you're going through a journey of transformation, and I remember a coach said this to me, you know, he said, your transformation will require some isolation. And I was like, hmm, because he was like, the person you're becoming is going to, you're going to have to let, a go, let go of a lot of old things. And that it's not necessarily true for every shift and every person's journey. But if you really want to step into new things, there may be friendships that no longer support you. There may be conversations or jobs or things that, cities even that no longer are going to be part of that journey and I think if you're committed to growth and you're committed to really stepping into your truest potential again it's like okay that that's probably going to be part of it um is it difficult yes is it worth it a hundred percent like because I guess sometimes I just think about what's the alternative so if we're not willing to go through that period of kind of isolation and, and really just reconnecting, creating this new new phase, then the alternative is that we stay stuck and we stay small. And that's a really awful feeling for a human being when we know we're not living our truest potential, when we know we're not living in alignment with our values to just pretend. And so, if, you know, even anyone listening, it's just like, yeah, it, it's kind of scary. And, and what's the cost of an action? What's the cost of not doing it? What's the alternative? Because I think often our brain doesn't think of that. Our brain's just like, oh, that looks terrifying. That feels really scary. Okay, cool. Okay, that's kind of scary. But what's the cost of not doing it? Because that's usually scarier. And so context and law, I looked ahead and I was like, okay, the cost, if I don't get through this, if I don't just stand in my power and my courage and find my way kind of fumbling through this, but then the cost of not doing it is that I'm going to be here in 20 years. And like, I'm not, <laughs> I love lawyers and I love my friends are all doing it, but that, that was scary. I was like, no way, no way. So I think really sit with that. Okay. It's scary. But what's the cost if I don't do it? Um, and, and then on the second notion is it's not, it's not a forever thing. This, this feeling of isolation, like we're, I mean, all human beings like yes we have all our differences and all our individuality and at the end of the day we are actually all really similar and so it's like I think knowing cool there might be just some times of you know me feeling kind of on my own and on this journey um, but I would say one thing you know huge is like your, your vibe attracts your tribe or however you want to say it so if you more if you authentically express with the world who you are and what matters to you and you're expressing that outwardly and you're sharing and you're telling people and you're on podcasts and you're, you know, you're stepping into that, you will attract the right people because of that energy you're putting out. You will start to bring in, you know, your tribe and your more authentically aligned tribe. Like the life and the world and the people and my partner and everyone around me now, it's like, it's like I still have lots of old friends and things, but it's like a whole new reality from me finally being like, cool world, this is me. 
this <laughs> and this is you know this is who I am <laughs> like I for so long like I said I for so long did these personal development seminars in the weekend and and I was kind of hid who I really was and then the moment I was like okay this is who I am that's when I started to attract in my real tribe so yes isolation is part of it but you will find your tribe the more authentically you you will find your people um yeah and I I think as you do that you know when we talk about authenticity and stuff I guess in my experience it's been owning all parts of the self it's been owning my values it's been owning the darker parts of my life you know I had a really severe eating disorder for nine years and all these things that I hid from the world it's owning all of that it's letting the world see you you know imperfections and all and that's there's nothing more beautiful than than that and then realizing when you do that you're still loved in fact usually you're even more loved people are like wow that's cool you know (laughs) I think there's just a fear that if we do it, you know, we'll be ousted from the crowd or whatever. But in fact, in my experience, it's been the complete opposite. That's a really beautiful answer. Yeah, that gives me so much hope. Um, so we got a couple of questions that we ask everybody that we have on the podcast. And I think it's kind of interesting what you were just saying about um, like owning all of yourself. And there's so many elements that you know it's not just like one part of our identity there's so many elements that are part of our identity and so when it comes to talking and thinking about our well-being there's so many aspects to that as well and and the shift foundation really talks about well-being and in that kind of holistic way but one of the things that we're really interested in is like making sure that young women are moving and in physical activity and that sort of thing. So we're just asking all of our guests, like how important is being active to you personally and how does this relate to like your general wellbeing and fulfillment? Mm, amazing. Um, it's, it's everything for me. It's foundational. It's um, yeah. The, the energy I can generate through movement is, is what actually kind of gives me the energy to keep going every day. It's a huge part of my self care. And I found the more I want to grow and serve others, the more I've needed to put in on this one. Um, I also love to think about moving in ways that feel good for you. You know, I think often we can think we have to exercise certain ways or I know, I know I was super, I was super driven in my, a, you know, a past life before I did all this personal growth and I just used to run marathons to, you know, achieve something. It's like, I, I won't be running a marathon again. Um, <laughs> so just move, you know, like move in ways that feel good for you. I, I do at the moment, I'm doing a bit of F45 and then I love, I honestly love it. I cannot recommend highly enough for any of it as a dance party. Like put, yeah, you know, put on the tunes, move, <laughs> don't worry about what anyone thinks like, and just, be silly, be expressive. That's also that part about showing the world who you are. Be quirky, be weird. Maybe you have cool dance moves. Like, um, that's a huge part of movement for me. Yeah. It's a huge release, eh? So good. Cool. And then I guess just to kind of wrap everything up of this beautiful conversation we've had today, um, we're going to go, Bryony's take action plan. So what would be your advice for anyone who's listening today? 
who wants to kind of, maybe they're right at the beginning of this journey and they want to make that first step of moving towards a change in their life and becoming more authentically themselves. What's your action plan to be able to take that first leap? Awesome. Um, I would say as one actionable, give yourself, um, yeah, like give yourself a confidence challenge. So you could do the core values discovery, obviously that's quite introspective. So I 10, 10 recommend doing that. And then the next thing I would say is, is give yourself a mini confidence challenge. So just a mini micro action, macro results. So what's one thing, you know, really think about in, in alignment with what we've been talking about. Um, what's one thing you've kind of been hiding from the world or wanting to tell someone or, you know, a hope or a dream that you haven't shared yet and share it. Because the moment we share those parts of ourselves, whether it's our aspirations or our darker things, like a huge, there's a huge release. And I think often, especially, you know, in New Zealand, we, Aotearoa, we have, you know, the tall poppy and we never share our dreams and our hopes. And the thing is, if we do that with other people, they can help us make it happen. So if you have, can think of one aspiration or dream or thing that you've been thinking about, share it with someone. Just tell a friend, let them hold you accountable uh, and, and go for it. Because every time we do that, a part of ourselves goes out into the world and that's, that's how we're going to get stuff back. I love that. I love that it's about like actually sharing and bringing other people in and um, yeah, celebrating the connections that you already have. Mm, yeah, yeah. Can I share one thing that I've, um, I haven't told many people, but I've always wanted to write a play. So I'm going to, that's on my bucket list this year. So I'm going to try and write a play. I don't know what it's going to be. Amazing. Awesome. Amazing. <laughs> I love that. We can hold you accountable yeah. to make that happen. Love it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's it, right? And it's just, it's following that curiosity and those nudges and, and taking action on those things. It's so beautiful. Um, yes. And especially with creative things, I think, because we can often be like, oh, you know, I'm not creative or, you know, don't have time or whatever. But it, it, those are really, I think, where we discover our, our genius. And that's been my experience as well. So, Amazing. I love it. So cool. I have loved, loved, loved this. And I could just keep talking to you both all day. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's just been very enlightening. Um, I can't wait of to course. come back to this and keep listening to it whenever I need like some inspiration. Yes. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me on and for creating this incredible space, you know, for women to, to hear this and, and hear these messages because yeah I think looping it back to the beginning this was not necessarily information I had in my life and it would make a real difference so acknowledge both of you for creating this space and everyone who's tuned in and listened for taking the time thank you so much the conversation collective what a great interview and conversation we had with Bryony yeah it was very intense but very eye-opening interview yeah I feel like you put a you really put a lot of yourself into those questions and into the conversation um yeah massive thank you to Bryony obviously for giving us her time and for all of her insights um we did mention in the interview that we would put links to her website and to that free course about um discovering your core values that she mentioned in our show notes so you can find those and go and check those out later on in your own time 
What's your biggest like takeaway from that whole conversation, Ronia? Biggest takeaway, hmm. I'm going to think about this for a few seconds. I think what stuck with me towards the end when Bryony was describing her take action plan on confidence and putting sharing something with the world. Um, what she said about putting yourself out there in the world that really stuck to me because that is such a daring feat to step out alone and share a part of yourself with the world it is yeah and um as you heard I am intending to write a play (laughs) Um, (laughs) but um I think yeah stepping out alone I feel like that has really stuck with me on the idea of identity because really the only person that matters in this whole journey is you and so I think getting comfortable with your voice and what you value and what you aspire to be that is in itself really empowering to recognize and yeah I hope our listeners from listening to Bryony talking about that can really feel more comfortable with being in that vulnerable space and find some source of empowerment from standing out alone and celebrating who you are. Mm. And it's so true that sometimes you have to make yourself really vulnerable like that. But I think it's also true that everybody needs a community who build you up and allow you to be the best person that you can be. Um, And I think that aspect that you're talking about, about putting something of yourself out there is a real way to connect with the people who are going to be able to be your community. Mm. And it's so important because you can't really get that connection without taking that first step. Yeah, and maybe some of those people are actually just the people you have around you already, but you haven't realised it yet because you haven't shared a specific element of yourself. Mm. It's a great way to create new connections, but also deepen the ones that you already have. You spoke at the very beginning of the episode about going to university and that being something that kind of sparked a lot of your journey of wanting to understand who you are I think definitely university was sort of like a metaphorical step out alone the nice thing to know is that everybody else is going through the same thing is thrust into a whole new environment so it it was kind of natural and almost almost very necessary to confront and reevaluate my ideas of how I see myself and how what I wanted to do with my life and what I wanted to aspire to <clears throat> and I think it's been a really it's been a really challenging but really rewarding way um, to have been sort of forced to 
continue and really deepen my relationship with myself and my journey with self-exploration. Um, there's another aspect of this conversation that we might want to explore a little bit more as well, which was this whole concept of core values that you and Brianne spoke quite a lot about. Do you feel like you understand what is meant by core values? Not specifically what yours are necessarily, but just like what she kind of means by this whole concept of a core value for somebody's identity. Mm. Um, one thing that really stuck for me when we were discussing core values was a quote by Bryony. She said, core values are if you didn't have these things in your life you wouldn't feel fulfillment you wouldn't feel like yourself and so I guess in my mind I picture an image of core values being little puzzle pieces of yourself and they make up who you are and if you didn't have one of those pieces you wouldn't be who you were or you would be kind of there would be a sort of missing piece in your identity. You wouldn't feel complete and I guess really you. So that's kind of how I try to visualize and understand core values is something that is very integral and yeah, just very, yeah. I think I know what you mean. I love the image of the puzzle pieces. Um, I guess for me, if I was to try and think of it like a visual metaphor for core values, I guess I understand them in terms of these like driving forces that are there behind the decisions that you make and the choices that you make. So maybe it's like if you take the earth and you've got the surface of the earth and everything that you can see. And then underneath the surface of the earth are the tectonic plates that move around and you don't really know that they're there. Yeah, it just makes me think of that, that there's these, this outside reality and these outside changes that happen. And that underneath it, there's these like driving forces or pieces that are mm. making stuff on the outside happen. I do sort of get that though, because... Um, whether you know your core values or not, they're always, they're underlying and they're still moving. They're still driving your decisions. Yeah. And so I do understand that metaphor. <laughs> We're sitting on <laughs> Zoom on video call, like waving our hands around and getting really descriptive with our metaphors. Yeah, I love it. Um, Ronia, is there any message you have for our listeners today? Um, I think just in the spirit of this episode and in the topic of identity and in this turbulent time, I think just stay safe, of course, but also don't push yourself too hard and remember that we're all going through this together and this is a journey and we're all on this journey together so even if you do feel alone in during this time or even on your self-exploration journey 
know that I've got your back and the shift team has your back and that we're going to get through this together. We're going to go through this identity crisis together. Yes. Yes, we are. That is such a beautiful leave off Ernie. I just want to do like a mic drop and end the episode now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I really want to say, well, first of all, I'll say a huge thank you to Bryony McKenzie from Untapped with Bryony for joining us and, and being our guest on the episode. I really want to say a huge thank you and a huge congratulations to you, Ronia, for coming up with all the ideas behind this episode. Um, you really put so much of yourself into this, and I think that's going to really show for the people who are listening. It's a really, really authentic conversation that you created with Bryony and with me as well so thank you so much for that it's been a true privilege thank you I just want to say thank you Tiki for everything really everything that you've done and being the leader of this project and for fostering such a welcoming and just warm and just an environment that really nurtures and values all of us and all of our individual identities. Um, Yeah. Thank you always for being that presence. Oh man. I had so much fun. You're too much for me, Ronia. (laughs) Um, So, okay. Thank you so much to everybody that's tuned in to listen today. Um, if you have any questions for Ronia about this episode, you can send them in to us on our Instagram account at the underscore conversation underscore collective. And at some point we'll hopefully do a live session, maybe in the next couple of days to answer your questions. I hope you enjoyed the episode and take care always. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Ronia. Bye everyone. Thank you. <laughs> See ya guys. I'll just leave you with a final message just to say, make sure that you do something shifty with your day today, shift your body, shift your mind. Maybe you go back and you undertake Bryony's take action plan. You can do the core values discovery by following the link in our show notes. You could try doing the confidence challenge that Ronia so bravely undertook by telling all our listeners that she's going to write the play. And maybe just make sure that you get some time outdoors while we're all in lockdown. (laughs) Big thank you and high fives to the Centre for Sport, Peace and Society at the University of Tennessee, whose Empower Women Through Sports follow-on grant helped bring this podcast to life. Also thank you to the Ministry of Youth Development for supporting our leadership programmes that help grow the most phenomenal leaders, like these ones. And last but not least, we would like to say a huge shout out and nang mihi nui to Nai Nai Clubhouse for collaborating on this project, sharing knowledge and equipment with us. Thanks, friends. Aroha nui. The Conversation Collective.